I'm just a really good storyteller. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I've been doing it for years. You know, I've been telling stories, you know, with colorful little details, little metaphors, little not so discreet, maybe some hidden, maybe some not so much, just little jokes, you know? Yeah. And making people laugh. You know what I'm saying? Oddly enough, though, I don't like it when people don't laugh. Like, if I'm telling a joke and they don't laugh, then I'm like, why didn't he laugh? Like, he didn't, well, he's not laughing. He doesn't like me. <laughs> he doesn't like me. So it was this guy, right? And he was just telling the story. And this is at the moon base, of course. And he's he's going on and on and on and dragging. It was like one of those stories where it's like, and then we uh, we found the guy, but we couldn't we couldn't pinpoint where the guy was from, what he was doing. And the darndest thing, like just the pacing of it and just like, you know, you're like, <laughs> God, just tell, get me there. You know what I mean? I'm saying like, I'm dying over here. (laughs) You're going and going and I'm dying. So then it's my turn, right? And I'm like, oh, because he asked me a question. He's like, oh, so uh, before you got here, what was your, you know, your thing? And I'm about to tell him, I start talking and this is him. He goes, yeah, well, anyway, I got to get back over here. And uh, I was like, I was just in the middle of telling you like this thing. And you didn't even, you didn't even listen. Like you're just, you're done. You know, part of me respects the shit out of that. You know, how you just could shut me down. <laughs> but then part of me is like, screw you, buddy. You know? For real. You know? Like, you gotta listen to his drawn out story. Yeah, drawn out. Like, that's why I talk so fast sometimes on the thing when I'm telling a story, because I like to get past this, the nitty gritty details, you know? Yeah. And I'm just a fast kind of talker, you know? Somebody asked me the other day where I was from. I said, I'm from everywhere and in between. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm from over the hills and through the woods and under the rocks and between the trees, you know, so I've, been, I've seen it all, you know, I'm a it's jack of all nice. trades. Yeah. Right. So what if I don't feel comfortable replacing windshield wipers on my wife's car? It doesn't make me less of a man. No, not You know, thank you. I don't think that makes you less of a man because I think, I think more people are that way. They're like, eh. It just seemed complicated. And I thought in my own neurosis, I was like, I'm going to jack this up. So I better leave it to this to the professionals in the zone should we start the show yeah let's do it let's tell a story utah give me two and here we go Thundercats, can't be too careful with all those weirdos around <laughs> you greenpeace types are pacifists aren't you if it bleeds we can kill it. And yet it's... Now you want to get nuts? Come on. Klopek. What is that, Slavic? No. About a nine on the tension scale, Rube. This is a little bell I ring when someone's being a total ass. You son of a bitch. You no good. Welcome to Comic-Cons, a geek podcast for the rest of us who are the rest of us. Well, the people that just don't take this shit that seriously. My name is Nick Stevens. I'm your host with me today in the garage, solo, with no companionship, with no third parties. There he is in the flesh. Haven't had a one-on-one since... They live 
Oh, was it they live? I was Jim, thinking it was Super Mario Brothers. So. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> they live. Jimmy Golden Cadillac Johnson. How you doing, Jimmy? I'm doing good. I'm good. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for being here in the flesh, you know? Yeah. And sorry we got a late start. We were we were jamming. We were working on some music. Uh, yeah. Just to tell the folks at home listening or the folks in their cubicles. Yeah. Or in their cars. In their cars. Commuting. On the bus, on the train. Who listens to podcasts? Commuters? <laughs> or mostly, right? I would assume so. Right? Um, I would assume so. I have a hard time, like, I, I go back and I listen to your, your podcast. Um, I listen to Michael Rosenbaum. Um, he has a podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rosenbaum. Yeah, Rosen. yeah, Rosenbaum. I always yeah. say Rosenbaum. Well, he's Rosen. listen- he might be listening, yeah. so I don't want to offend him. I understand. Um, <laughs> I don't want to offend him either. He's a cool guy. Like, yeah, I, he is. His, he's his so podcast cool. is pretty cool. He's got a good voice for it, doesn't he? He does. It's very soothing. It is very soothing. You know, it's like perfect AM kind of, you know, yeah. voice activation. And, and and he reminds me a lot of you and us because of the fact that he ad- incorporates his music into it when he sings yeah, 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 and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So that's fun. But my commute's two minutes yeah, okay. from my house to the office. So, so I got a long commute. And so the, I got a long commute. I get like maybe two or three minutes and then I'll sit in the parking lot and try to wrap up like one of the stories or one of the jokes like that's going on in the cast. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, I'll come back to this because... Now I got to go to the office because I just You finish like one thread, then you get to the office, get settled, and maybe when you got some downtime, you might do another listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can't do an out in the open listen because it's not safe for work. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, it's funny. I've talked about the moon bases and I've talked about people at the moon bases. And I've people at moon bases have heard this podcast now because the listenership has expanded. So people have kind of told people. So I have to like think sometimes like with anything, not even moon bases, just like, have people listened to this thing that have I talked about said people and the people <laughs> since because before it started off so small, like you never think in a million years, anyone's going to listen to this thing. But now our listenership has expanded. I would say significantly, you know, yeah. and, and people are listening, writing in and giving feedback. And it's like, uh Oh yeah. You know, That's, this guy was talking about me. This motherfucker was talking about me. You know, that's like a, on Sundays, there's a guy who comes in and uses the bathroom. Mm. Like, I mean, like he saves it up all week. And oh, no. It's like 15, 20 minutes in there. Go well, there's, a, there's an older gentleman that's part of like a specific team on it. He seems like he'd be really stern. Mm-hmm. But the moment that guy walks in rubbing his belly, he looks at his watch and he tells me, he's like, we'll see how long he's going to be in there this time. But he's real <laughs> gruff when he says it. And then um, we bought air fresheners for the bathroom just specifically for this For guy. this guy. Wow. <laughs> Because, I mean, you walk in and like... And he has no idea, I'm sure. No, the women come over and they're like, hey, can you help us? Because the bathrooms are starting to... The women's bathroom is starting to smell. I don't know where it's coming from because... It comes over. Oh, my God. Dude, that's insane. What is he stacking Lincoln logs in there? I've used it before. I'm going to use it again. (laughs) That's nuts. Yeah. I don't don't think anybody has taught him the courtesy. No, no one's... See, and, and we need to really start enforcing this okay kind of thing. now this here's my be, question when, yeah. when, you, when you do the courtesy flush after the first, first drop, drop first okay. drop come on i was already ready for the answer <laughs> i'm not fucking around look after the first drop you know what i mean All now right. somebody once challenged me on this and we'll get to the movie here in a second kids okay <laughs> somebody once challenged me and said well theoretically speaking and i don't know if they actually looked this up but mm-hmm. somebody was like the thing drops right the thing being the bowel movement yeah and Maybe it's a bit, maybe it's, let's just say that it's or underwater. It splashes up on you and you're like, It's underwater. Yeah, of course. And it hits you and you're like, ooh, but daisy. And it's underwater. Now he was arguing it's underwater. There's no smell. 
So like flushing, it's not going to do anything. So, but I would argue this. I would argue there is a smell. Yeah, because you can instantly smell. You can instantly <laughs> smell it, and that can't just be the waft out of your anus. It has to be partly of that. Plus, it sticks up most of the time out of the water. Sometimes, if, if you got a guy like me, you know, sometimes I got guys that go all the way up. We got, you know, above sea level and below sea level. Yeah. You know, so what are we negotiating here? Just based do a on courtesy. How heavy it floats. Exactly. The only argument I could ever see against my courtesy flushing would be conserving water. So you're kind of wasting water. You're being really liberal with your flushes. Like Matt Damon would lose his mind. You know (laughs) what I mean? But it is what it is. I save save the environment in other ways by not commuting in my car every day. And that's good. Yeah. So So you, you make up for it. So I make up for it by courtesy flushing. Mad flushes. I do mad flushes too, but I use mad toilet paper too, so that way I, I, I use I don't, a lot. I, use I don't a lot clog too. it. So I just do you fold or do you water? Do you do a combination of the two? Combination of the two. Me too. I do a combo. But I also have, like I'm not from that school. You get like what school? Two three pieces, and then you fold them over after you've wiped and like use the back end of it and like fold it no. again. Like, no, no, like, no, 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 no. It's one pass through and that's it. Sometimes I got to get a little creative with my son though when I'm wiping him. Yeah, it's different. He's moving around. He's there's like, there's little, there's you. little folds. You got a wet wipe, you know, maybe you don't have time to get another one because he's like moving around and you just got to get it cleaned fast. So you kind of like flip it over and do what you got to do. Then you kind of put the powder all over everything, kind of hope that takes up everything else. <laughs> you know, that should absorb some of the rest of this. <laughs> And then you st- and then you start picking up the feces by with your bare hands because you're just fucking scrambling to get it back in the diaper, you know. Because yeah, and then you forget, and then you eat dinner, <laughs> and you eat a sandwich right afterwards because you're a man, you're a dad, you know. Somebody at Moonbase told me the other day, we're gonna get to the movie in a second. <clears throat> you don't look like a dad. She's like, you know, and I I revere this woman. You know, this is a a good friend of mine who I've known for many a moon. Ironically, at this Moonbase, we've reconnected. And she's seen me grow from the man on the street, wilding out, howling at the moon, to meeting my beautiful, smoking hot wife, Jennifer. Happy belated birthday, by the way. And, and, and becoming a family man, you know? Yeah. And she, and she looked at me the other day and she said, Nick, you don't look like a dad. And I said, thank you. You know what I mean? Because you, you see some of these dads out here and they've given up. They've completely <laughs> given up. Like the white jeans, high top Reeboks, you know? Yeah. The back is hunched over, shoulders like the world's just bearing down on them. Now I think there's, know? I think there's like there's mom jeans, there's dad jeans. Too, yeah, like, totally, one hundred percent. They like sit up like past the belly button. Right, correct. You're like, what is going on? But you don't want to go the other way, like full, like the other spectrum, and like be like the dad hanging on. Yeah. You know, like still trying to hang on. Come on, man. Yeah. We're striking up the band, but it's like, okay, please play music by all means, but don't be the guy that's like in full head to toe like wristbands and rings and earrings yeah. and you know just holding on for dear life go be at like adam sandler and that's my boy exactly <laughs> that's a good movie by the way I, I thoroughly enjoyed that it was funny yeah people give adam sandler hate but i mean i love him he has his formula did you see that stand-up that stand-up special on netflix i did not see it oh it's solid dude you like it. it he does a little homage tribute to uh chris farley yeah i think i watched specifically that oh god it was so good talking about it, the but... feels man all the goosies I yeah like chris farley I love Chris Farley. You know who else I love? Who? Kurt fucking Russell. I love Kurt Russell. Too. I love him. I fucking, I fucking, I love Kurt Russell. I mean, we've done The Thing. We've done Big Trouble in Little China. 
I'm trying to think if I've done another Kurt Russell movie on this show. I don't think I have. I've talked about Guardians and I talked about how much I loved him in Guardians. I don't think I've actually did done do it. Volume two? We actually never did a Guardians of the Galaxy one or two on here. Really? Yeah, surprising. We should do a volume. I know. One or two. We should probably just do both of them. Yeah, like, I was gonna you say, know, just like, knock it out combined. Maybe um, in uh, as we ramp up towards Volume three. Yeah, we've talked about them because because we talked about three thousand miles to Graceland. That must have been when they live. Okay. Because um, we talked about Russell a lot, almost being in They Live. Yeah. But then he got Roddy Piper. Um, yeah. For some reason. And so I feel, but I feel like he's come up in other podcasts. That we I'm sure he about. has because I love him. I love um, him to death. It's kind of like us with Die Hard. Sometimes we'll like sneak in there. I think Kurt Russell's the same kind of way. Like he just sneaks so in. I just rewatched after buying it on Vudu because it was like one of those tandem deals. Like buy two movies, get another movie free. Yeah. Backdraft. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. 1990. Ron Howard directed. Great cast including De Niro, Scott Glenn, underrated as fuck. Uh, Alec Baldwin. Not so much. Billy Baldwin, I mean. I was about to say. <laughs> it, it Wrong, Baldwin. Baldwins. Wrong Baldwin. Wrong um, Baldwin. But great cast. But honestly, not the most amazing movie that I remembered it being from when I watched it when I was younger. But I'll tell you, man, that Kurt Russell, he kills it. Like, he makes that movie. He does. I I think we actually, I remember speaking about this on the cast, that that scene got me in the feels, like his death in that movie. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know why, because there's certain films that like, you tear up at or you get like that sore throat like feeling yeah. like where you're trying to fight back tears. And I, I remember it was that that movie when I was yeah. younger. I don't know why. Probably because I had brothers and stuff like that. But I just remember like just just the way he delivers his cocky sure, assuredness. But but at the same time, he's absolutely terrified of losing his brother, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then Robert De Niro is great in that movie, too, with Donald Sutherland as, as that arsonist and but we're not we're not we're not talking about backdrop we're not talking about backdrop we're not talking about backdrop today we're talking about escape from la kids oh that's it that's the other movie i talked about escape from new york i did escape from new york i did i did i did a solo guy the 1981 escape from new york it was just me i just did a little rant about it i mostly ranted about the theme song because the theme song is just great doom you know but they kind of they change that up a little bit for this one this one is basically escape from new york if you've seen escape from new york kids with snake plissken this is escape from new york on steroids would you would you agree with that i'd agree with that it's um, a sequel but it's kind of a remake sequel yeah and even john carpenter had even said that like Critics didn't know how to take it as a sequel or a right, remake. Right, it's, He, you know, he said it's essentially the same movie. It's like, um, it is. It's just which one do you like better, New York or L.A.? Because some people will say, "Hey, L.A. was better." Some people will say New York is better, and it just depends on the, I think, personality or when you grew up and when you watched and what you watched. Well, I don't know if anything had been done like the first one. Mm-mm. I mean, for the time it came out. I mean, yeah, there's some campiness. When you go back and watch that one, there's definitely some cheese. There's some campiness, but it's pretty solid. It's pretty dark and it kind of holds up because anything kind of post-apocalyptic to me will always kind of hold up, you know, no matter how cheesy it is and no matter how, like what year they put. It's always funny, these older movies, you know, the year is 1996. Like, oh shit. Like, I think in this one, everything went to shit in 1998. And then in 2000, there was massive earthquakes Um, but you know, we so, should probably just do a Wikipedia on this because there's a lot of exposition in like the first 
10 minutes that they just shove down your throat. They do. They go, I don't know if I got it all. I don't know if you remembered it all. They go quick. Like I, I, I would have to do the same thing is when everything happened, the president was sworn in for lifetime, a lifetime term. And he's like a theocratic kind of president in terms of like judging everybody as sinners and basically abolishing liquor, smoking, red meat, uh, <laughs> Profanity, anything that's seen as like uncouth or or, or not, yeah, pure or not. I, I don't want to say Christian because he's not. He's not very Christian at all. He's very uh, no. But I know what you mean. Yeah, and I think to me, like when I watched this with this time, I saw it from both ends of the spectrum of like what we see today, like political. Whether you're when people very twist extreme it. conservative right. or very extreme liberal, like I could see there can be groups of people from both sides of those parties right that would create this island that's in the people that right, they right, felt right. didn't fit in it and on both sides immorally deplorable or just flat out deplorable people yeah. are sent to this island because of the earthquakes la has become essentially an island in between malibu and anaheim i think and so they start deporting all the people there Yeah, because it was I like think, an earthquake and it's it's separated i think it was like a population thing in the new york one i don't think it yeah i can't remember a new yeah. york one I do remember my mom actually rented this movie. Really? For, I don't know if she rented it for me or not, but I remember watching it in 97, 98, like when it first came out on VHS. Like, and that, that's, that was my actual introduction to this world. Like, Interesting. I didn't see New York until years later. Because, I love that because I, my mom introduced me to New York, Escape okay. from New York. And it was on VHS. It came out in 81, so I, was, I watched it like in 86 or 87 when I was like six or seven, um, no, so I was probably 89. So I was like seven years old, watched it, didn't really connect with it because it was kind of long and drawn out. There wasn't yeah. a lot of action per se. This one, it definitely has more action. But I remember I saw this one, I saw this one in theaters and I was like 15. Okay. And they marketed it like on the posters, like Snake is back. And it's like, they marketed it like a sequel. Like they people, did. Like people were going to come back for this. I don't think it did that well in theaters. It did not quite... No, it was a it was a box office bomb. Yeah, but it was ten years in the making, is what I saw too. Is like yeah, they couldn't get it they, off the ground. They wanted to keep going with it, and I think I think Carpenter was to the place where he was going to scrap it. But Russell loved yeah. playing Snake. He so produced he wanted it to push. Snake Plissken is his favorite character on record that he's ever played. Really? Yeah, he's played so many good ones. I know. I, I was like, really, not Jack Burton? You motherfucker! But it's nineteen ninety eight. And I'm just going to go off the top of my my head here and not read not read this off Wikipedia. What I'm about to say right now is not. I think '98 is when everything happens, right? But I think we're in year 2000 something, right? Like, well, again, I'm not dictating anything off Wikipedia right now. Okay. I'm not remotely doing that. <clears throat> in 1998, let me just see if I can get this right. Los Angeles has become immensely crime-ridden and decadent, ultimately being directly governed and patrolled by the recently created United States Police Force. Two years later, on August 23rd, 2000, a massive earthquake strikes the city, the San Bernardo Valley floods, and the Los Angeles area turns into an island from Malibu to Anaheim. Boom, 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 got it right. A theocratic president candidate declares L.A. to be sinful and punished by God. Again, I'm just kind of rolling off the top of my head, my memory here. I'm not, I'm not reading anything. Uh, when he is elected president for life, he declares that anyone not conforming to the new moral America laws he creates, which bans such things as tobacco, alcoholic beverages, recreational drugs, red meat, firearms, profanity, atheism, freedom of religion, and extramarital sex, will be stripped of their citizenship and deported to Los Angeles Island unless they repent and choose death by electrocution. Don't remember that part. 
I don't remember there being a, an ultimatum dictated. Oh, you don't remember that? No. Um, like, yeah. I remember him sentencing his daughter to the electric chair at the end of the movie, which we'll get to, but I don't remember him. Yeah, it's in the opening scene where Snake is walking through the prison. Oh, yeah. And they're all sitting in the chairs, and they're... And they're That's right. people being electrocuted, like, right there, just in the hallway, like... They didn't choose that, though. They just, they just didn't want to give up. Well, they chose it. They didn't want to go to the island. Oh, okay. Because it, it was... Okay. Because when he says it, they choose to repent of their sins, and then they choose elect, and they repent of their sins, and then they they're gotcha. electrified like right gotcha. after that. Okay. So it's not even like, hey, there's forgiveness. <laughs> for so they sealed all these people in the island to contain them in there, and then like 13 years later or so, I think it's discovered that this guy, Cuervo Jones, which yeah. the name is amazing. Uh, a Peruvian revolutionary. Actually, they call him a Peruvian terrorist. And I was like, terrorist from Peru? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, he seduces the president's daughter, Utopia, by yeah, the way. Through virtual reality, he taps in. Yeah. Now, the 90s was big on the virtual reality. Like, more so than it is now. I don't even understand what VR is now when I see these, like, commercials yeah. and shit. Like, oh, available in VR. Like, I don't even understand it. Wasn't that like Stranger Days or whatever movie where? Yeah, you're right. 100% Strange Days. I remember like Lawnmower Man too. Like, yeah. Everything in that movie. That, remember that show Reboot? That animated show? It was like, but it was like CGI before there was CGI. And it took place in a computer and it was like all these different people. It was that same kind of concept. It was yeah. like, it's virtual reality, man. It's going to fry your head. Or Velocity with fucking Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington. Yeah. Whew. It wasn't like mnemonic. No, mnemonic was a little bit different. He had like but it's secrets ha- in his head. It like, tapped into yeah. that though. That same kind of like really blocky special effects with yeah. like, he's in a computer, man. Um, game over, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, via holographic system and brainwashes her into stealing her father's remote control for the sword of Democles, a super weapon, a series of satellite capable satellites capable of rendering all electronic devices anywhere on the planet uses like like rendering taking and, everything back to the dark ages is correct what it is. right they could like ice they could pinpoint it to like target it against certain countries but there was also a code that you could enter in to shut it, everything down which was 666 like. right right which is you know which definitely doesn't happen in this movie foreshadow 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 uh so anyway they got to send snake in to well, they tell him to kill the daughter. The president says, go ahead and kill her. Yeah, he, he says, because when he's asking about, like, get us, bring us the box, they've infected him with something. Right. And he's got, like, 10 hours to live. Which is very similar to Escape from New York, but this time, instead of injecting him with it... Like, they like, scratch him with a nail. Yeah. Like, one, like a chick, like, walks by him. They do a slow-mo. Mm-hmm. She scratches him. He doesn't put two and two together. But fucking Stacy Keach plays, uh, I think it's Sergeant Malloy. So he's his, like, handler, you know? Yeah. And then a, gl- a gloriously beautiful Michelle Forbes is there on standby as like the number two. Uh, what else was she from? I know she's Brad Pitt's wife. No, she's David Duchovny's wife in California. But she was also on Star Trek The Next Generation. I think she played a Romulan. Always, always, always very, very nice to look at. I don't know. She just had those eyes. But anyway. Uh, the da- president's daughter was nice to look at in this one too. Like, she was I pretty good looking, I huh? Like, I don't know what else really, she did. She hadn't done much. She but. looked familiar. Steve Buscemi's in this one, kids. Yeah, Bruce Campbell's in it, but Bruce he's Campbell shows up. He's he's in top tier billing, like in the opening yeah. film. He does not have a, a large scene at all, but his name is like in the opening credits. And unless you knew his voice, you wouldn't have known. You wouldn't even no. know him because 
his face was altered all altered of all of it yeah um and for some reason and there it must be another bruce campbell film like when i saw bruce campbell's name in it i was like oh i was thinking he was the steve buscemi character so there must be another film where it's post-apocalyptic like this where bruce campbell is that kind of character like and I just can't think of what it is. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, I know what you're saying. But I could be wrong. Maybe it was just... No, I'm sure you're right. It sounds like something Bruce Campbell would be in. Yeah, I mean, he's Bruce Campbell. What do you, what's your take on the tone of this movie when it starts? Just not even the start of the exposition that they crammed down our throats with the narration. Not even all that. Like, all that aside. But when we see Snake Plissken and he's in his same outfit that he wore in the 1981, they're like, she's like, well, I would have expected something different. That's Snake Plissken, all right? What's this with his clothes? It's so retro. That was part of the times. Like, what was your take on all that? Like, how how did you feel? It it was there was a campiness to it, but it yeah. was it was fun still. Like, it's um, still fun, right? Like yeah, you're in, you're engaged. You're still you want to see what's gonna happen. Yeah, the music, like you said, the yeah, like I know. just it's 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 Carpenter though. Like, and yeah. it's and that's what I liked about it. Right. Um, I don't think there was a bad take on it even like you said the exposition it, that's kind of just kind of crammed there those earthquakes but it though, doesn't man. really doesn't <laughs> those earthquakes and the shaky camera yeah. and the special effect, the special effects are strug they are and especially in the beginning they are well the surfing scene too you can tell like real big yeah um on that i think the surface scene is one but of the better really cool. is, is one of the better ones compared to everything else like yeah. i don't know i read on the uh, imdb that they I guess they couldn't lock down. They they went through Buena Vista special. I, I don't know, but, but they couldn't lock down the special effects for this movie in time for the release. And you can really? definitely you can definitely tell, like they just didn't research it. They should have gone through Industrial Light and Magic, man. Yeah. James Cameron's guys, you know. Maybe it wasn't in the budget. Mm. I don't know. Ninety seven. Yeah, who used on Titanic, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. So they get him in that submarine. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. The way the door shuts, like it's so. Oh, dude, I can't. I I don't think I noticed this when I saw it in theater. Like I don't think I noticed how bad special effects were when I saw it in theaters back in nineteen ninety six. I think there was just this acceptance that you had, like, well, this is this is where we're at. Yeah, you know? and I think at that time everything was amazing to us. Like, but even a, like, as they added effects and as they as things went on, because yeah, you didn't you didn't see it, and even big budget movies like that are. Ones that would set off real explosions instead of computer explosions. Well, I think like, we were so used to practical effects still. Mm-hmm. Like I know Terminator Two, like still hold. This Terminator Two still holds up. Like I just watched it not too long ago. I did a podcast on it. It still holds up really well uh, with whatever CG they're using for T one thousand. But I think you're right. I think at the time it was just we were just oh yeah this is it yeah there we are this is the effects we've got to deal right. with. But speaking of surfing, he meets Peter Fonda. <laughs> He meets Peter Fonda as like the first guy, and Peter Fonda's like, "What I love about this this world, and the same thing with Escape from New York, people just know who he is. Yeah, people they, recognize Snake Plissken as this. We should probably tell the folks that I'm listening. He, who is Snake Plissken? He's he's a crook, but he's he's got a murky past where he yeah he's he's more of like America's outlaw. Yeah, it, yeah. And if Perfect. you can put it that way, is everything that he's done." Has constantly been to like screw the man and right. be in their face. He's and, so tough too, and he's tough about he's it. He's so yeah. he's so tough, so cool. He does not yell. No, he does he will not yell. And the way Kurt Russell, he almost plays it with such a campiness. Yeah, he has to. But it's beautiful. Like 
call me Snake. Yeah. You know, like... They keep calling him Pliskin, right? Yeah. And he's like, call me Snake. Okay, first of all, it's not that tough when you go... He keeps going, call me Snake. And then when they call him Snake at the end, he's like, call me Pliskin. Pliskin. He doesn't want to conform in any way. Mm -mm. And so he's kind of just this, like I said, the American outlaw. And everybody kind of knows his story and then there's dropped the hints of like Cleveland what happened in there yeah, there's a lot um, of hints to Cleveland we don't know what which, happened in Cleveland a fun fact um, look, look, looked it up um, on the Wikipedia there is in January of 97 Marvel Comics had an Adventures of Snake Plissken and I think it gives a little bit of that oh shit really story of what happened in I Cleveland. was wondering if there were any other stories with Snake like out there like in comics or books or yeah it seemed like there was actually a comic um version of him just like by marvel comics i would very much like to see that yeah and i think that would be fun it's kind of like um they did it with bruce campbell um ash from yeah they did yeah. freddie versus jason versus ash they did like and they did uh, the comic book version of it they did like the marvel zombies with ash also yeah and they did um army of darkness yeah did its own series as yeah. well i actually like la and new york and that, that kind of world mm-hmm. i'd actually love to see a newer film even with kurt russell maybe an absolutely i was thinking still. the same thing um but with the special effects we have now because i think storytelling has gotten better right because i don't know if there was just in the mpaa and all that stuff if you had to squeeze in a time but most films were like 87 minutes to it seemed um, kind of lo- like an hour 40 i think it seemed kind of long to me i'm not gonna lie um I watched a little bit on the train and then I watched a little bit at home. And it did, it seemed kind of long to me. I feel like it could have been condensed a little bit more, but that's just like. I think it's the pacing too. Yeah, it's it might just be the pacing. As gritty as it is in a post apocalyptic film, it's a slow film. I think They're it's faster like, than the first one though. I think yeah. the first one is definitely more slower. I mean, I like how these movies introduce pockets of new characters for him. And like I said before, like I like how some of these characters will recognize him because he is famous, I guess, because, or, or even infamous because he's, he's won gold medals. Um, the escape from New York thing, people reference it like, Oh yeah, I think in New York, you know, and you were, you were pardoned, you know, but then I guess he went right back to like stealing money from armored trucks. And yeah. And he's got what? Three <laughs> purple hearts is what they so, said, yes, which is insane, which yeah. I mean, he definitely tried to kill Sergeant Malloy and his, and, and that beautiful Michelle Forbes, like in the opening scene though, when he, yeah, you know, who's going to give me the antidote? None of you? Okay. And he tries to shoot them, but they're holograms. There's a lot of that whole, well, that one had whoops, the, it's a hologram. That one had the blanks. The holograms is when he tried to attack him in the Oh, you're right, you're right. In the room. But then sorry, he, sorry, Bliskin. Like the first quip was blanks, because we knew you'd be like, there. Like, really? You loaded it with blanks? They almost made him out like he was very dumb. Like, they, he, they, they, he's not that smart. Like, but then he's but then he's like he'd cunning. be so much smarter to be. He would have to be, right? Yeah. Especially if he's survived this long with one eye. He's got one eye, kids, you know? And and I don't think that was a wig. It didn't look like a wig. I think that was his real hair. Yeah. I don't know. It was beautiful. A beautiful mane of long, thick hair. But I think that's that's Kurt Russell. Yeah, I love Kurt Russell. Like, like so that looked, his that mustache like fresh and his beard that he grows out, like, it's him. It's Captain not. Ron hair right there. <laughs> <laughs> when was Captain Ron? 94, so. Probably around the same time. Yeah. So he's, he's walking around L.A. looking for, I guess... I guess there was a strike team or a search rescue team that went to go apprehend. Yeah, like five or six guys. Right. There. So there's one guy and they got a they got a tracker on the guy. So go find this guy. By the time he finds him, it's just a dead body pinned up against the wall. Snake manages to kill like two neo Nazis. Ironically enough, I think one of those Nazis was from fucking Revenge of the Nerds. Really? I think that was David Carradine. 
Okay. Or like the brother of, yeah, the the main guy from, from the nerd movies. I think that was totally him with a shaved head. Could be wrong. Emails at Comic-Cons podcast at email.com if I'm wrong. All right. When does he meet Bruce Campbell? Like he get, does he get, he, oh, he meets yeah, he, what, he meets he, what's her name from Hot Shots. Yeah. He, and, uh, <laughs> that Isabella Carla Giuliani, she's that Italian actress. She, she was in. Clean slate with, um. Yeah. Great Daniel call. Harvey. Yeah. Great call. Hot Shots. Hot Shots. But yeah, she hasn't, she seemed to play in a lot of comedies, but he comes in, he's looking, looking forward. People are talking to him. Like you say, he talks to Peter Fonda when he first comes in. He's like, hey man, nice boat. Sorry about your boat. I think he meets um, Steve Buscemi first, doesn't he? He does. Map to the Stars, Eddie. He actually tracks down Cuervo pretty fast. The film could be wrapped up in that first thing. <laughs> yeah, like, but Cuervo throws one of those like bola, bola things around him and fucking knocks him out. But then he escapes him. And when he escapes, there's actually a scene in this movie where he's surrounded by dudes with guns, machine guns. And, he's, and instead of like them just killing him immediately, he goes, wait, let's make it interesting. He throws a Bangkok can. Bangkok rules. Yeah. Bangkok rules, whatever the fuck. He throws a can up in the air and before it can fall down, don't draw until this can hits the ground. And he throws the can up in the air and he just shoots them. Like everybody in this movie is an idiot and nobody in this movie can shoot. No. Nobody. I mean, people are shooting right at him and they're like, they're missing, you know, which is fine. Again, I love it. It's great. This movie was considered very violent, by the way, when it came out. Doesn't seem, doesn't seem that it violent doesn't by today's. It seem as violent, yeah, with today's standards. And I think I said this before um, on They Live. Like, I've always liked Carpenter for that reason is he has violence in his films. But like with Halloween, you don't see a lot of the blood and the gore. It's left to more no, you imagination don't. To, right. to do what it is. Um, you're right, though. That was Robert Carradine as a skinhead. Damn. Um, Damn, I'm good. And I didn't know this, but I just looked because I was looking that up. Brecken Myers was one of the servers. Okay. That was just hanging out in the water, I guess. Oh, okay, I don't remember. Um, when his boat falls off the that metal thing, and those guys are just kind of floating in the water. This Wikipedia thing just jumps right to like the end. Snake meets Map to the Stars Eddie, a swindler who sells interactive tours of L.A. Snake defeats Cuervo at a staging area of the Happy Kingdom by the Sea in Anaheim and takes the remote control. But a whole bunch of shit happens in between. In yeah. between, like he's kidnapped by these. Dudes in robes. They actually kidnap him and Isabella Giuliani. And Valerie thank you. thank you. <laughs> um, Valerie Golina. And these people are like basically stripped of body parts. Yeah, the Surgeon and, General. Yeah, and the Surgeon General is played by the loving, lovingly awesome Bruce Campbell. But you wouldn't know it to look at him like we said before. Because yeah, he's got like that... His face is stretched out. He's got a prosthetic mask on. I'm trying on. to think of who he, he reminds me of. Shit. He reminds me of like the Mickey Rourke pictures that they like always show on Facebook of like people who have botched. Yeah, face or have had way too tight. much. Yep. Like, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And that's exactly what he looks like. But because of where they're at, they they can't have the injections, so their bodies are falling apart. So they they snatch people off the street and take their body parts to keep going. So you can tell like how John Carpenter feels about people who have a lot of plastic surgery because this is kind of a little stab at these that community that whole anybody that gets plastic surgery done any any of those which I guess is a large population in LA and California especially in the 80s and 90s. And you can also kind of tell like I mean there's shots of him making the movie with like a cigarette in his mouth and like an NRA hat, you know. So you can kind of tell like he's got this I wouldn't even say conservative, but just this 
this harder look at like liber- towards liberal Hollywood with like, you know, how they're living and what they're obsessed about, but also like what maybe like a conservative religious right might be like worried about. So he's kind of like this middle of the road. Yeah. Like, I want America to just be like, let us have our guns and leave us the fuck alone. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you weirdos over there, like get the hell out of here because there's even like a transgender Pam Greer in here. Yeah. Which is very interesting because I didn't remember that from the the from the first time I saw it in theaters. And it's definitely not something you'd see a lot of, especially like at, in the mid nineties, you know, like here is a, a man woman who's had like a sex change, you know, and, and, we meet also Pam Greer got top billing, but we don't even meet her till like almost the end of the movie. Um, like, but he immediately recognizes her somehow. The voice as Car Jack Malone or something like. Wait a minute, it's Car Jack Malone. Because she gets mad because Snake keeps calling Name, her Car Jack. Names Hershey. Like, how did she do that? Do you think they did that in ADR? Like after the fact, like and they like, like recorded added somebody. It? Yeah. Because it sounds like it sounds deep. like her. Yeah. It kind of sounds like it could have been her. Like maybe they just slowed it down in, in post or something. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe like. But it's synced. It's synced really well. Like when she's talking. Like it looks like it's really her. Yeah. Because it could be. I told you my name is Hershey. I was wondering. Or did you like layer the track? Yeah. Layer the voice a little bit. So it's her voice. But Oh, good call. Good call. Somebody else saying it over too. So that way you are hearing it. But. You know. know, when they show her like. In that fishnet and everything. I mean, I've always had a thing for Pam Greer. And especially like, I don't know what movie. I think it was Jackie Brown. And I always had a thing for her, you know. I always had a thing for older women, but especially old, sultry women, you know. <laughs> and uh, so when I saw her in that outfit, I was like, God damn. And even when, like, he doesn't skip a beat. When he goes, goes for the gun. But unbeknownst to us, we don't know. Like, as a first time watcher, he goes for the, yeah. for the, uh, for the inner thigh. And he like rubs the hand up. And you're like, what the? He's about to grab a handful of junk. <laughs> You know, he's like, you're Carface Malone. Cause Carjack and Carface, Carjack Malone, Carface. What is this? <laughs> fucking old dogs go to heaven. Uh, uh, but he gra- he grabs like a little Dillinger, I guess. And like, you know, it's a pretty ballsy move, like in front of all her dudes and everything. I know. And she kind of likes it. He, she kind of likes it. He doesn't smile. Does he spare anybody with, with any good intentions? He kills almost everybody he meets. He does. Oh, he does get a little blown when we kind of skip this part when Valerie uh, Espinoza, the Italian broad yeah. from Hot Shots, when she gets killed, she's at one point like kind of sticking around with him and she's like, I mean, it's not that bad. LA's what it is, you know? We're free out here. We're freer than we've ever been. Blam! <laughs> she gets <laughs> nailed. Like right when she's going through her, like, it's not that bad here. We're actually free here. Yeah. Like she's shot, like in the back. And I, I don't know who that was. That was like a, like an Asian gang or something. But they never really mentioned anywhere else. No, they came and they left. Yeah, and they were like, they're like kids just to drive by. Yeah, and that Man. was it. And they just shot everybody that was like camping out in the middle who hadn't affiliated with a gang yet. What did you think about the action scenes in this movie? The actual, like the actual fight scenes, which there weren't very many. Like actual, I, was say, I, I liked them for what they were. Right. Um, the motorcycle scene was cool, like when he, when he like runs up, rips the one guy off the motorcycle, then jumps oh with the chain, the oh, that was cool, and then pulls him like, and then does that. Um, it was very blocky though, like how like how would you really jump on a bike? There's no John Wick action in this, where there's like choreographed no. fighting. It's very like hit the guy with the thing, knock him off the other thing, <laughs> keep going. It is, but it's it's engaging. It is. Know? I can't think of too much action. Like the final action scene was very kind of campy. 
when everybody breaks in and they fly in with their little. Oh, what were those? Uh, Hershey gave them to him. Cause her boy, cause her guy, like one of the cheesy villains from Die Hard's, like, will fly on the wind. I don't think it was the guy from Die Hard, but it was like his brother. But, the, but yeah, the guy from Die Hard was in it. Though. He was there. He was there. I saw him. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like he's been in everything. He has. But like his brother, some of that. We'll go death from above. That scene was actually pretty cool. You know what this mm-hmm. this movie would need for like a facelift? Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. R- Robert Rodriguez and even Frank Miller, and just make it exactly how you made Sin City, but with the fucking with this plot. But use the special effects from Sin City, like make the whole thing black and white oh, with, cool. with some colors. Wouldn't that be badass? Because the way it was shot, it was almost like that. Like even that surfing scene, if you had that in black and white, you wouldn't even notice it nearly as much. Dude, and I think that was probably one of my favorite like moments when Steve Buscemi realizes he shot Snake, but here's Snake surfing down right. the highway next to like, You gotta him. be kidding me. <laughs> Dude, he crossed him like twice and then he tries to help him. But that's what I was just saying. You said, like, does he ever, like, spare anybody? It seems like only Steve yeah, Buscemi. He didn't, and he he was, didn't kill him. He could have killed him. I guess you're right. He was nice to the president's daughter. He he tried to save her. But then at the same time, she still was close to getting to the chair at the end. But I think he does kind of have a softer spot for the ladies. Because yeah. he did seem kind of blown when the, the Italian broad got, got shot in the back. Yeah. Well, she did offer to say, hey, I can take care of you, too. So. Oh, that's right. She's like, I'll take it back to my place. Huh? I'll take care of you. Turns out he's not dying from this Paloxin 7 virus. It's actually just a heavy hitter. Fast. The flu. Yeah. 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 Wait, Come on. Was... Why couldn't have been a real... <laughs> it should have been a real virus. I don't know. But I don't know if I like that because it was tongue in cheek or if I'm like, no, we need, we need the antidote. Give him the antidote. I don't know. Yeah. I guess that was a twist. Make, make it more of a fight. I guess. I don't know. Them. I like count. I like countdown stuff like that. I like stakes like that because we're like we're with the character. We're like, oh my god, is he gonna make it? Yeah. And then during the um, basketball scene where he's like, let's talk about that basketball. Let's talk about that basketball scene. Why? This this reminded me of maybe where oh I can't even think of his name right now. The writer Robert Kirkman got the idea of the governor. Oh, interesting. Like yeah. Because it seemed the same setup. Yeah, it might have even been the same set. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's been there. Um, Pinewood Studios. But what they do is... Um, what's the guy's name? Cuervo? Cuervo, Cuervo yeah. Cuervo um, Jones. I can want to say Jose, but that's, yeah, that's no. the drink. Di- different kind of guy. <laughs> different kind of fight in a bottle. <laughs> um, he has this setup where, like gladiator style, people are doing like extreme sports, I guess. Just for entertainment. Are they though? Because I only saw the basketball court. And then the one guy was fighting, and he took the like the hedge clippers and cut the guys in the basketball court though. Oh, was it? And he court? had like this was the only post-apocalyptic road warrior dude in the whole movie. Like he yeah. had he had the uh, the shoulder pads with the metal spikes on them. <laughs> I was like, oh okay. Everybody but else here is just dressed normal, but they get ten seconds, ten shots. They can't miss a shot. Um, Under what? What's the clock? Like ten minutes. What's well, 10 seconds? 10 seconds. So, oh, yeah, 10 but, minutes would have been. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do 10 shots. But what it is, is uh, you have a full court. Right. And you have to use both baskets. Right. Um, shots are worth two points, no three points. So you can make three pointers, but. Right. But you've got 10 seconds to make a shot. So and he then you're makes free to one go. shot. Right. And he runs the other way. 
Um, he made all those shots, by the way. I read the notes on this. He was pl- practicing. Uh, he was practicing basketball in his spare time in between takes, and he actually nailed all those shots. Even the, the long, long even the long distance throw. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. Which, if you look carefully, like, I guess that's bullshit. If you look carefully, I mean, it, <coughs> it could have been CGI. Could have been, you know. But I don't know. And pretty badass. That's Kurt Russell. I mean, but he's in leather pants. First of all, when they dress him up, okay, his outfit to begin with was ridiculous in the, in the beginning. Yeah, it was camo. But then they, gray. but then they gave him like new guns, okay, badass, and new little weapons like James Bondy type like weapons. You know, here's a little paralyzer thing. Here's a fucking hologram projector thing. Here's a matches, just plain old matches. You never know when you're gonna need them. Like what? But then they gave him like a thermal. You said a thermal camo thermal. Well, he had he had. What he was wearing in the beginning was the gray camo pants right. and the brown leather the jacket. Gray, the gray camo pants with like with a brown leather jacket and a black like tank top. Yeah. And that's just, that's his style. And they just put him in all black. Yeah, because... Black leather. They give him black leather because it's flame retardant. I guess. Is what he said, but I, I didn't but I understand think they just wanted what to, they needed. I think they just wanted to put him in black leather. Yeah. That's my point. But and it's like a onesie. It's is like it? A, it's like a one piece like I know shirt he had, and his pants like match. Like I know so. he had the hooker boots. Um, he had the hooker boots for sure. But yeah, he was probably the first one to wear. What was the? What was that big crave that all the guys are wearing? Those jumpers, whatever those. I don't know. The onesies. duster. I was thinking onesie, but it was something else that they called. Huh. I don't know. Um, I don't remember what dudes wearing onesies being in. But <laughs> it was like a couple years ago, two yeah, three okay. years ago. If you know, email comiccons.podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, email us, please, for the um, love of God. <laughs> but they put him in that, and then he's got the long leather trench coat. Dude, he was running in those, man. Do you yeah. imagine the amount of swamp ass you'd have in those pants? <laughs> but that jacket. That jacket was pretty dope. I know. It's not practical. It's and not practical it's at all. It's the same thing as the uh, Matrix. Like, maybe a tight leather jacket, but a what leather was trench coat is just long and flowy. I think, I think you just figured it out. I think it... It was the 90s, so I think black leather was just in in the 90s. Yeah, because I think we talked about this on the X-Men. Yeah, because the X-Men were in black leather, because Neo had black leather. I think I think they just assumed, Blade. like, well, we got to put everybody in black leather. Yeah. Which now, it's kind of, it's not cool anymore. It's kind of, it's very cheesy. It is, isn't it? When the crowd starts chanting Snake's name, well, Snake's they the still man. didn't let him out of the damn cage. He had to jump out of the thing. Yeah. While, while the guy was shooting at him. Yeah. His horrible shot. Horrible. Everybody's a horrible shot. Except for Steve Buscemi. But listen, I mean, Snake was in good shape. Kurt Russell, he looked pretty good. Like when he was changing and stuff like that, like he looked like he was in shape. He was 45 when he did this movie. I mean, so he must have like worked out, you know, his, his arms were like, because there's nothing worse than like seeing like somebody like, I don't know, getting into a movie like this with like tight leather on, they're running around, they're fighting bad guys and they're like, they're just a dude. Like when I watch those old Die Hard movies, when I see Die Hard with the Vengeance, right? Yeah. Bruce Willis is not in shape. He's just a guy. You know what I mean? No, but I but I think that also played to McLean's character. I think I guess you're right. I think that's where people have said that a good day to Die Hard and Live Free and Die Hard messed up is because they made him like this superstar, like crashing yeah. a cop car into a helicopter, whereas he was just an everyday guy. I mean. Like he said, he was one step away from being a full-blown alcoholic right, absolutely. in the third film. and it's He's supposed to survive crazy situations. He's not supposed to be like this insane killer robot. You know what I mean? Yeah. But even Live Free Die Hard pissed me off because he hit that bitch with a truck. <laughs> 
with a fucking truck, like an F-150, like nailed her. And that would have been the best death scene ever. Like, cause they kind of showed her character and it was like, oh, she's going to be a big baddie. Like, like, uh, Svensson Blondie from fucking Die Hard 1 who came back. And, and that part never pissed me off. Like he came back, you know, yeah. that never pissed me off. Or he hit her with a truck and she survived. And then they're fighting down this elevator. Like that's what, that's where I lost it yeah. on that movie. But then he dropped the truck on her in the elevator, didn't he? Is that, yeah. Isn't that how yeah. it finishes? It's just, I, I don't know. I don't know. And then the parkour guy, because parkour was in at the time, I guess, you know, like just, no, you know, was parkour really ever in? I think it was because even that Casino Royale movie like yeah, had that opening. Right. It's not you, Casino Royale, Quantum just, Solace or some shit had like a twenty-minute opening scene. Where fucking, oh yeah, where they're jumping across the rooftops. Yeah, and um, Born the last one. At least the last two of those. Um, Easily when he's doing across all those little towns, and yeah. the, and the Hulk did the same thing when he was running running in um, the two thousand. Yeah, Ed, they had Ed Norton doing all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah, yeah. Come on. He can't get his heart rate up that fast. Come no, on come on now. In the hall. He's always angry, though. He's always angry. That's the trick, though. <sighs> Did you have a favorite scene? I guess we should dis- discuss the ending. I think the, sur- the surf scene is my favorite scene. The but. surf scene's good. I like... I don't remember how Hershey died. Did Hershey die when Cuervo shot the helicopter with a rocket launcher? Yeah. They, remember oh, okay. they... Because they crashed the, the helicopter. So, helicopter all of a sudden, like, shoots fire... But it only burns up everybody in the back. Kurt Russell and the president's daughter are sitting up front. They shot it with a rocket launcher, but the only people in the back of it died? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, because Kurt Russell and her landed it. I know he it. landed it and crashed it, but like, didn't he kick Utopia out of it Like when they were like close he, to the ground? He told her to jump, yeah. Oh, okay. Steve Buscemi jumps out of it when they shoot the rocket launcher. And then I think it just hits the arm of them or something like that. But when it explodes in the air... It like sends like a backdraft almost just through. The Ooh, a backdraft. Yeah, see, there we go. Like you Kurt check Russell. that door for heat, Tim. <laughs> it just burns up everybody in the back, mm. and that's Hershey and all her guys. Like that sucks. They weren't made to escape. I wanted to see more of her. I mean, I wonder if she's in the comic. Um, Eddie's down on the ground going, "Screw you!" And they're like, "You're <laughs> supposed to tag me with." He's like, "You jumped." I'll see you in hell, Bliskin. Oh, my favorite scene would probably be the actual ending of this movie, where they, where our, yeah. where our protagonist basically ends the world by sending us back into the dark ages, because he does the old switcheroo, and he does the old sleight of hand by showing him that he's not really there; he's a hologram. He used that little thing they gave him, I guess. And they explain it in the beginning when they're giving him all his little gadgets that you have to be within a half mile. You only have eight minutes, right? And he said, so when you use it. Make sure it's for a good reason. Like, right. So he only has this quick thing, but they had already played the trick on him using the hologram. So he's right. just using their technology. They never them. once touched him. They were they got real close, like walked right up to him, and they took that he was holding out the uh, the weapon, like the the EMP weapon, and they just never snatched it because they they looked at him. And they were like, wait a minute. Malloy was like, wait a minute. And he went to Utopia. Utopia Cause they, she found her in the woods. Right. So they took it off her. She didn't even know she had it on her, but she had the D de- she had, the decoy. he had stuck it in her pocket and pushed exactly. it out. And he had the decoy. Cause Steve Simi made a de- decoy with the, um, fingernail polish. Yeah. Hershey's fingernail polish. Yeah. It's Hershey. And the president's there. And like, there's cameramen there and like they're broadcasting live to the entire nation, to the entire world, maybe. And he, he goes off the deep end and kind of like the president showing who he was. Yeah, like he showing said, who not really being, was. Screw it. Kill her. Keep filming. 
Yeah, turn the camera around so the the world. He can tries see to this. sentence his own daughter to death. He does. He puts her in the chair. I know, but she. I mean, she survives. Yeah, because of because the, of the dark EMP. Ages. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's other ways to kill people besides electricity. So. I know they could have shot her right <laughs> in the head. I mean, because this EMP doesn't render guns useless. The guns would still work. Yeah. You know, it just renders electricity useless and anything mm-hmm. electronic. Well, I guess it would shut down the power grid. Like, so power grid would probably affect other things like running water for some places and mm-hmm. unless you had a well. Yeah. I mean, he, he sends it far back. And he right. Was, Is that right? If you have a well, the power fucks you up. If you don't have a well, you're on city plumbing, so you're okay. That's a different, that's a different system. Yeah. Because that, you can lose electricity I've lost power and still use water. And still gave my baby boy a bath. Yeah. But when I lived in my parents' house and they had a well, I remember we had the whole... You know, if it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. Yeah. I think the only difference is the hot water heater won't work. So, like, when you're out of hot water, you're out of hot water. These are important things to know, kids. That's why you tune in to Comic-Con's podcast. Not to listen to us talk about Escape from L.A., but to know about tricks and trades. How to put your windshield wipers on. Or to get AutoZone to do it. This episode is sponsored by AutoZone. I think that would be my favorite scene because he essentially takes their own weapon and uses it against him. And that last line, in the beginning of the movie, he was like, you better hope I don't make it back. And he tells him, he's like, I told you, you better hope I don't make it back. And he didn't kill them necessarily, but he just used it again. I mean, they were like pleading with him, like, don't do it. Good God, man, you're going to send us back to the dark ages. And he does it. He targets all these satellites. and Not a one given. Everything, no fucks given. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then the best part, the best part, he breaks the fourth wall, ladies and gentlemen. He smokes that cigarette that he finds on a rock, lights it with those matches he had, and he's smoking it, and he looks right in the camera, and as the camera fades to black, he goes, welcome to the human race. And then the Rob Zombie song comes on, and it's glorious. He wrote it just for that movie. That's yeah. my favorite scene, I think, because he's supposed to be like the protagonist, but he's he's not necessarily a good guy, so you gave this guy a, a doomsday weapon, and he used it. Like That's pretty... It's pretty ballsy. I mean, I guess the way he was looking at it was like, the world's already fucked, so I'm, I'm just going to start over, you know? Yeah. 500 years over. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of intriguing. I mean, if the world went that far off, I, w- I think it'd be tempting to maybe start us back and start us over. You know what I mean? He's been asking for a cigarette the whole movie. And he just has. by chance, on the ground behind this rock where he's at, yeah. there's a pack with one cigarette. Because he smokes a lot in the first one. Yeah. And have you ever noticed that in Kurt Russell movies, 3,000 Miles of Grace, he always... Smokes those black cigarettes. <laughs> like they, those, they, like, they must be his brand. I yeah. forgot what the cloves or something. Because he smoked in backdraft too. They all the firemen smoked in backdraft. I think they were. They even used real firemen in that movie. That's cool. Yeah. I, didn't, I, didn't. I guess we should probably rate this thing. We're an hour in officially, like yeah. one hour, a little over an hour. That's okay. No, it's totally okay. I just. I know we were kind of all over the place on this one, but... Uh, no, but I think we stick straight to it and kind of... I mean, besides some of our, our beginning stuff. But. What do you think the point of this movie was, though? Like, what do you think they wanted to do? What, what was the goal? Did they want to just entertain people? Or did they want to, like, make Snake Plissken relevant again? Maybe get a, maybe get a third movie out of this? I think... I think they wanted to bring back a character that Kurt Russell loved. Mm-hmm. And maybe start a franchise. Yeah. But... I also... Too much too late. I feel like I've read somewhere, but I could be wrong. 
because he's done other movies, sequels, that Carpenter's never really been a big fan of sequels, I thought. like. Um, I think he might be right. But, I mean, I know he did Halloween 2, but I think after that... Yeah, he was like, no, no, no. It was just his character. Um, and I, he did that Ghost of Mars movie, and I don't know if he did anything for a while after that, and then he did I like, like a... Ghost of Mars. I mean, it was... It I'd was, have to watch it again. It was another Pam Greer classic. It, it was it was camp. Yeah, totally. I remember it being super camp, and Vampires was too. James yeah. Wood, John Carpenter's Vampires. Yeah, I remember that one. They were they're all super camp, but I think that's yeah. what makes his movies. You like them, and um, I think that was probably one of his bloodiest films was Vampires. Oh yeah, I believe it. And so yeah, with Donnie Baldwin. Hmm. Was it Donnie or Daniel? I think it was Donnie. Donnie Wahlberg is Donnie Wahlberg, but I thought it was maybe, Daniel maybe Baldwin. It was Dan, maybe it was Danny. Maybe it was Danny. Sorry. <laughs> uh, rating? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> Six beautiful ratings uh, that we have on this podcast to show our affection, our adoration, our, I don't know, our distaste or disdain, but also in the same light showing a, showing through a lens of positivity. Uh, we have... Call it a work good, movie theater good, home video good, catch it on cable good, sick with the flu good, and solitary confinement good. Jimmy, what do you say? I'm I'm perplexed in between two. Mm. Um, I own it, so I'm, you I'm, bought this guy. Yeah, I've had I've had it for a while. I think okay. I think it was like a digital um, on Voodoo. Okay. Like four ninety nine. Oh, nice. Kind of thing where like they'll do those sales sometimes and that's, I bought it for five bucks. I, uh, I think I, I saw this on Amazon prime. So I just um, did the guy. And so I've had it. And so I think that's where I'm, I'm because I own it. Like I'm like at eh, home video, but it's probably more of a catch it on cable. Kind of, if you're going to watch it yeah. or like stream or any yeah. kind of thing like that, that you can find it like that. But, um, you wouldn't necessarily have to own it. Okay, I like that. I like it. See, I'm going to go with Sick with the Flu Gun on this one. Okay. Because it's it's not a very good movie, in my opinion. But it's got enough things in it that are redeeming that if I was like Sick with the Flu and I'm on the couch. And some people lately have kind of retwisted that rating to kind of feel like, well, I wouldn't watch Sick... I don't call Sick with the Flu Good because Sick with the Flu Good, I want to watch something that's going to make me feel better. I get that. But Sick with the Flu Good really originated as something that like you leave it on because you're too sick to get up and change it. Or even pay attention. So yeah, I was gonna say like so you're in and out of the, sleep. Sick with know? the flu, you're in and out of sleep. So it's it's on in the background. It's right. background noise. Exactly. And there's enough scenes in this where I'd be like, okay, this is kind of fun. Yeah. You know, it's a novelty kind of movie to just have on. You know, and I I really would like to see this remade or brought back. Even with Kurt Russell coming back and like you know just playing Snake Plissken old as fuck. You know, maybe get Robert Rodriguez on board to direct. Yeah. I you know? I was thinking because um, we got. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood coming out, like even like Tarantino having a little dip in with like Rodriguez and their, yeah. their team up. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. To do a Snake Plissken story would be really cool. Absolutely. I like the character. Mm-hmm. I like the world, you know? Yeah. And especially if they they did it now after everything's been reset, you know? It's like medieval times with like machine guns. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that would be cool. You know what I'm saying like the end of the world, like no power, no computers. You know, maybe just some running cars, maybe gasoline, like like very Mad Max. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But with Snake Plissken. You know, I like that world. He's got to escape from somewhere else. He's got to escape from somewhere else. Sanzibar. 
Maybe not. I don't Escape know. Escape from Montana. Escape from Montana. <laughs> Escape from Virginia. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Yeah. I like it. I was going to say, I like it. I like it. I like you. I like you. I like you. Well, thanks for coming on the show and coming over to the garage and jamming with your boy. And we were thanks doing some, some Jimmy jams and... You know, uh, we're doing a little project where we're gonna be re- we're gonna be recording some songs, and that's gonna be fun. We're gonna put that, that out, is. and uh, mostly covers. I think we're gonna do some obscure covers. My wife tells me we should we should need to do more popular covers that people know. But that's okay. You know, most of our stuff isn't for the popular crowd. No, it's just for us anyway. I mean, that's why <laughs> we do this. It's just for us. And if somebody happens to listen to it, this podcast or our music or whatever, then. That's fan- fantastic, you know. If not, then okay. If they hate it and they like it, great. But I think I was I was going to tell you that the songs that you've picked so far because they're fun to learn the rhythms to them because of the fact that they're very oh okay cool. in the sense of cool. what they are, um, and I, that's what I like about them. Well, I can't play them because I just do like basic chords and stuff like that. So when we start getting into like the the C minors and the fucking B threes, I'm like, oh, I don't. Oh, I had to look up one. It was like a A minor seven. Yeah, flat that's five, all. Jack. Like, I don't even know. What? Yeah, I'm not even. Yeah. I can do A B G C F D E E minor D minor A minor D suspended open <laughs> closing time. Well, look, as anything that we said. You know, on the show. As the phrase goes, as the saying goes, whatever we said, don't take it seriously. It's just fiction. And uh, thanks for listening. And it's it's Escape from L.A. So if you're offended by something, you've got deeper issues. <laughs> you do. You do. You need to escape from your mind. <laughs> <laughs>